Hello, this is Rudy Giuliani, and we're back with another edition of Rudy's Common Sense. And today we have an exciting guest, someone who, well, someone who has a website called Just the News, and I would say he's Just the News, John Solomon. You can get John on Just the News. You can get him on uh, Real America's Voice, which uh, is on TV, and you can get his podcast on Just the News. And it seems like every week, twice a week. He breaks a, a big story uh, about everything. But right now, we're going to talk to him about the election of 2020, which seems to be unraveling uh, if it hadn't, hasn't unraveled uh, already and just not been reported. Let's get back to our fascinating interview with John Solomon. But then you get to the Justice Gableman investigation, former yeah, Chief was- Justice of the Wisconsin Court. And he focuses on two things that we began highlighting at Just the News within days of the election. The first is uh, there was a mass effort at nursing homes to harvest ballots. And uh, in recent testimony, the uh, Justice Gableman provided videotapes of people who said, my mother-in-law is in the nursing home or my father is in the nursing home. He's invalid. He's not conscious. He couldn't possibly have voted. Somebody took his ballot. And he found out that there was Soviet-style ballot turnouts in like 90 nursing homes. When I say Soviet-style, we used to call anything with a voter turnout of 95% or more Soviet-style, meaning you know, it was made up in the Soviet Union. Well, there were 90 nursing homes where 90% or more of the residents uh, uh, voted, which had not been seen. I think the, the, the rate was much lower in every other election. There clearly was a harvesting allegation uh, operation going on. Justice Gableman exposed that with videotape, uh, uh, data, all those sort of things. Then he went on to something else, which I think is the biggest thing that is still unaddressed as we head into 2022 and 2024. We, along with people like Phil Klein at the uh, Amistad Project and others, we dropped FOIAs in, beginning in October, before the election of 2020, to see all, where all this money that Mark Zuckerberg's Center for Tech and Civic Life was putting money out. Because... They were giving money not to candidates, not to political parties, not to political action committees. They were giving it to the election judges. And when I say giving money in Wisconsin, it's like eight million dollars to uh, election judges across the country. It's three hundred and fifty million plus. Now, step back for a second. Say, what's an election judge? If we were giving a million dollars to the referees of the Super Bowl, we'd say, hey, wait, something's up. Someone gave a million dollars to the referees before the Super Bowl. We're not going to trust those referees. That's what happened here. Who gave the who gave who the election judges were given money that has never been envisioned under the law to go to them. Uh, so so when you say election judges, who are they? They're the election administrators, so the county clerks, the city clerks, the people in charge of counting your vote, deciding whose vote count and who doesn't, deciding whose application for a ballot is lawful and not lawful. I mean, these are supposed to be nonpartisan uh, honest brokers of the election. And what you saw Mark Zuckerberg's money do in Wisconsin specifically, and we see it in Atlanta, we see it in other places as well, <coughs> excuse me, is that uh, these judges were asked, in order to get this money, you need to do something for Mark Zuckerberg's group. You need to go out and get more people uh, to register to vote before election day. So it took election judges and put them into the business of doing get out the vote work, which by the way, is supposed to be done by political parties, not by the judges. And what type of people, what type of voter were they told to go get? 
Well, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I have the best records, where we got the best records with Phil Klein and myself, um, they were told to go get African-American voters, Hispanic voters, and Hmong voters, which are Laotian uh, immigrants. All three of those um, uh, voting categories lean heavily Democrat in Wisconsin. So they're asking, hey, judges, Stop doing your normal job. Go out and get all these people who t- are get likely a- to be Democratic. African, African-American. Hispanic. Yeah. And Hmong. H-M-O-N-G, Hmong. Those are Laotian refugees. And there's a large number in the Green Bay area. Essentially, Mark Zuckerberg took the neutral judges, the referees of the election Super Bowl, and said, you're going to go out and do Democratic get-out-the-vote operations for us. And uh, when Justice Gableman examined this after we got the documents, put them out, he did a deep dive. And he said these payments to public officials amounted to violations of Wisconsin's bribery statutes. Government officials shouldn't be taking money from private individuals to influence their public duties. That's what the chief, former chief justice of the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. Well, that, 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 that happens to be the common law definition of bribery. It's exactly why Biden paid a bribe to Poroshenko. <laughs> he offered him something of value for official action. The value was... was the one now you know that this went on, and, and you know, we got great records in Wisconsin, but it went on in many states, Philadelphia, Detroit, Atlanta, all those places we found the same in, 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 infusion of Zuckerberg dollars. And uh, many states, a handful of states, about eight or nine have outlawed that. But in about 40 states, that's still lawful today. It could happen again this November or two Novembers from now when the next presidential election's up. That is an unresolved question that Americans really have to come to grasp with. But even if they don't have a specific statute making it a crime to give an election judge money, the general bribery statute of the state should cover it. That's exactly the point that Justice Gableman made. And we'll see now whether the, the individual county prosecutors have the courage to take his information and bring prosecutions. But when you hear these things, Mr. Mayor, you know that it was not a perfect election. Did this, did this essentially occur in Democratic counties, uh, what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, there are some places that got a little bit of Zuckerberg money in red counties. I think Phil Klein did an analysis that the, you I know, saw like that. multiple multitudes more to urban blue areas than to uh, rural uh, uh Republican areas. And he did a density analysis that clearly showed, you know, not surprisingly, because Mark Zuckerberg's that, a liberal, that this money went to predominantly get out the Democrat machine vote. So if you take that, right, you get Mark Zuckerberg's money, the ballot boxes, the mass mailing of ballots to people who didn't ask for them, and the possibility that you have a legal harvesting operation goes around. I think what you see in this election, still to be completely refined, is an old-fashioned ballot box stuffing operation, modernized for the 21st century, taking advantage of COVID. It's Tammany Hall brought to the 21st century. This is a good time to take a break. Think your homeowner. Welcome back to our interview with John Solomon. Well, you know, uh, Phil did a lot of cases showing that there were a disproportionate number of boxes in Democrat, highly Democrat areas, like by 10 to 1. And that those cases were brought to court and the courts threw them out. For, for reasons I'll never understand. Like, I think there's one lesson, Mr. Mayor, that we learned about this. And, and I think Republicans who are upset have to know this lesson. And I think Glenn Youngkin maybe gave us a new model. It is clear now that the courts are not going to adjudicate elections after the fact unless there's something really, really 
egregious. These practices, these rule changes, which went on in November, September, November, September and October, were not adequately challenged by the Republican Party, uh, by the campaigns, by uh, the elected legislators whose authority was being usurped by all these rule changes. Well, the biggest John, lesson of 2020, if you yep. see something before the election, challenge it before, because the you, courts don't have the courage to adjudicate this after the fact. John, many of them didn't have the courage to do it before. I mean, before I was counsel to the campaign, which was after the election, in fairness to the campaign, they brought about six or seven of these lawsuits. And they were thrown out as being uh, as being uh, no standing, uh, not ripe for adjudication. Then when they came back later, they said it was not ripe for adjudication. Uh, uh, pause. They did something that I find in my 50 years of litigation experience is totally inexplicable. They never heard from a witness. They never put an American citizen on the witness stand. Yeah. And never the got Americans to the merits of the case. And, and, and allow the American citizens to say, like the one in Detroit, that the De Democratic Party in Detroit taught me how to cheat and then explain the cheating. And I think they realized if that ever were testified to, the thing would have broken wide open. It's one thing for you and me to bring this out. It's another thing for a just regular American to say, I've been a Democrat all my life. I come in to help. Three days later, they're t showing me how to take phony registrations and apply them to votes that were just cast in my presence, 400 of them for Biden. And that testimony was never heard. Yeah, but it, that's, it, that's the famous uh, affidavit from Jesse Jacob, the Detroit city worker who I witnessed all these irregularities. She was, an, I think, an Indian. An Indian American converted Catholic. Yeah. And she couldn't went, believe her own party was doing this. She, I think she went to her priest to ask for advice. <laughs> now, Arizona. So yeah, well, Arizona's one too. But Jesse Jacob was the uh, the city worker I read right. from Michigan. Her affidavit. Right. If you don't think that there is irregularities going on in these big city machines, everyone should go grab the affidavit of a woman named Jesse Jacob. She was a 35 year civil servant in the city of Detroit. She worked in other departments had never been asked to work an election before, but because they were short election workers with COVID, they assigned her to it, and she could not believe what she saw going on in the Detroit voting center. She has no reason to lie. She's not a partisan. Uh, she couldn't believe what her own city was doing. And that's just one of many. And what she testified to applied not only to Detroit, but it's exactly what they were doing in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, which showed you that it was a concerted process. Well, uh, what other ones did you look at? Uh, Arizona? Arizona is a good one. Uh, there are two big studies out there, uh, both funded by the Arizona State Senate. Mary Fanning, who's been really good on this issue, working it. And now there's a gubernatorial ca candidate, Carrie Lake, that just keeps these issues on the front burner every day for the state so that people don't forget it. Uh, the first was the original audit, which called into question about 50,000 plus votes in a state where I think President Trump uh, lost by less than 14,000, if I remember correctly, if I'm doing my math right. So more than enough ballots than the spread of the difference. Then subsequently, there was a signature match sampling done between the signatures on the outside of the absentee ballots and then what was on file for the voter. And it estimated more than 200,000 based on the sampling because it didn't count all of them yet. Maybe they should go back and do that. 
that probably 200,000 plus votes in Maricopa County only, that's just Phoenix area, not the whole state, had signatures that were non-conforming, didn't match, which should give us all pause. Now, it has given Arizona pause. There's an amazing movement going on in Arizona. The legislature, which about 12 years ago, I think it was, <coughs> uh, opened up no excuse absentee ballot. Arizona was one of those early states to go all mass mail. They're now trying to reverse that, saying, you know what? We're going to go back to traditional voting. <laughs> this mass mailing thing is a disaster. That tells you something. If a state tried it for 12 years and wants to go back, there's a reason. We should all be paying attention to Arizona. Now, Arizona has been dismissed by uh, the controlling uh, uh, authority in the United States, the media, as uh, it found no irregularities. And it just reiterated the count originally. But then if you go read the report, uh, unfortunately, they use the word irregularities. They don't say they don't want to make the pronouncement it's illegal. But let's take the second one so people understand it. Basically, the second one out of a sample of a number of ballots found 200,000 where the signatures didn't match. That's exactly the fraud that went on in every place that they designated. That's the reason they kept the Republicans out of the polling places. And the way I knew from day one, it was a national conspiracy. I found out that in Philadelphia, they had put up barriers and the Republicans were kept behind the barriers. I rushed to Philadelphia at the request of Pam Bondi and uh, Corey Lewandowski, who had gotten an injunction to get closer and the sheriff wouldn't enforce it until it went up to the higher court and the Democratic higher court reversed it. Then, as I was driving there, I got a call from Detroit and I was told the same thing, barriers. Then I got a picture sent to me from Pittsburgh, barriers. Then I got a call from Georgia, all behind barriers. They couldn't see anything. So I was getting multiple calls from places thousands of miles away where Republicans were herded like cows behind barriers so they couldn't see the paper. And I said to myself, I've been doing this work for too long to not figure out what's going on. There's something wrong with that paper. They do not want the Republicans to see that paper. They're even willing to not honor a court order to do that. For 10 days, we never got to see a piece of paper. And uh, 200,000 that don't match. I mean, that was also, what was it, a tw 12, Arizona? Yeah, 12, 12 or 14,000, very small. It, it, it way exceeds the number of, of votes that spread the president by multiples, just like Wisconsin, the court rulings. And every state, including uh, 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 Georgia, resisted to the death our ever getting to look at the paper. They wouldn't even let us observe the paper during the recount. They kept us miles away from the paper, just like Dominion kept us miles away from the machine. So if there was nothing wrong with the paper, and there was nothing wrong with the machine. Come and look at them. It's uh, now time to take a short break. Welcome back to our interview with John Solomon. You know that our democracy functioned so well because transparency was always at the center of it. And what you saw in 2020 were the tactics that we normally deride in banana republics. 
And if these things are allowed to stand, the greatest essence of American democracy, of the constitutional republic, the ability to vote will be further eroded. People, there's a poll that like, I forget, 40 or 50 percent of Americans don't trust either the 2016 or the 2020 election results. That is a jaw-dropping number for a country that's supposed to be the beacon of democracy for an entire world. If we can't get our vote counting right, how do, can we expect other countries to follow our lead? This is a crucial thing. I'm going to end on something I think is really important, Mr. Mayor. There are several states where Republican legislatures have voted to improve voting, to make right. voting easier and cheating harder. And then their Democratic governors vetoed those reforms. So Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania uh, are two of the states. Michigan, I think, is the third. These legislatures have just sat back and said, oh, well, we're, we got no other options. I'm not sure that's true. I'm not a lawyer, but I've done a lot of con a re a reading of the Constitution, and I don't see anything in the Constitution that says a governor gets a say over the manner of the election. I think these legislatures have to go back and say, we don't need to pass a law to do this. We should pass a resolution and send it to the cities and counties. And I think there are some brilliant constitutional scholars right now researching this issue because these legislatures shouldn't have to have their power guaranteed under the Constitution usurped by governors. And so I think you're going to see a movement in the next few months, maybe to get these legislatures to go to resolutions that don't require a governor's signature and get these rules the way lawmakers were given the power to set them. Uh, I agree with your uh, opinion, Justice Solomon. And I'll give you, I'll give you. Well, my law degree is not that good. <laughs> I'm going to give you the citation for it. Article two, uh, section one, uh, clause two of the Constitution, which says that the, the uh, selection of electors for president shall be made by the state legislature. Doesn't mention Congress, doesn't mention governor, doesn't mention anything. Now, the reason we know that was deliberate is when you go to Article one and you talk about the selection of senators and congressmen, Congress is given a role. Congress is given almost a, a, a supervisory role. There's a question, can Congress take it all over like they tried to do in H.R. 1? They probably can't, but they can make adjustments. When you get to the presidential section, however, there's no, no one is joined with the state legislature in having the power. The Supreme Court has twice, back in the 19th century and within the last 30 years, said that that clause is, gives the state legislature the plenary power to decide. And even if they've delegated it, they can take it back at any time. That is what uh, we were relying on when we're being said that we were trying to, you know, get phony electors. And it was a perfectly legitimate constitutional argument, which is supported by numerous uh, constitutional scholars up until now, Republican and Democrat. Uh, so you're absolutely right. The governor, ha the governor has no role except as given to him by the state legislature. They could pass a resolution saying, we delegate our power to Mr. Jones, who we just appointed to put in charge of the election. And he could be an independent person. And they could say, the governor has no role in it. And they would be supported by federal law. So you're absolutely right. I just have to leave with Pennsylvania.
because Pennsylvania was the state that I predicted they couldn't overturn. On election night, when they closed down the balloting, I knew they were going to cheat. I've been in politics long enough, and I've seen enough crooked Democratic cities that I knew they were going to cheat. When I heard the cities, and I, I said, for sure they're going to cheat. Now, you should know, every place they closed it down, Biden won and Trump lost. But in Philadelphia, the president was winning by 750,000 votes. And I said, you can't do that. That one you can't overturn. Well, they did. So tell me what you found in Pennsylvania. You know, I think the book is still being written in Pennsylvania. Um, there was some recent testimony just given that seems to uh, authenticate the idea that a mass harvesting camp uh, effort went on there, like we're now seeing is being investigated in Georgia and Arizona. Uh, but the problem in Pennsylvania is there's no video footage like we had in Georgia. Georgia, you can see it. Then you can get the phone records and then they got a whistleblower. Georgia's allegation is so jaw dropping. And as you said, there's a playbook for all these urban areas. It isn't like they all came up with, they're all following the same playbook. Pennsylvania, I predict the, uh, the big um, uh, focus will be in the next three months, looking to see if the same large scale Georgia style ballot harvesting thing now being investigated in, in, in Georgia. Again, still needs to be authenticated, but there seems to be serious evidence occurred in Pennsylvania. In addition to that, I think one of the most consequential rulings that gets no media coverage, none whatsoever. The uh, the Common Court, which is you know, the main court of state court, in has ruled that there was no authority under the Constitution of Pennsylvania to allow for no excuse absentee ballots like they deployed in 2020 because of COVID, which means the entire system that drove the vote gave Joe Biden his margin of victory in that state, was unconstitutional. I don't know what the state's going to do because they have to change the Constitution before they can go back to mass mailing absentee. So it takes it off the radar. In 2022, you're going to see what would have happened if there wasn't mass mail ballots in Pennsylvania. And we'll be able to see how if Republicans fare better. And that will further validate your concern that you have about Pennsylvania. Uh, I think there's a lot more work to be done in Pennsylvania uh, there's a great senator out there who's working on that now, and we'll, we'll have to watch Mastroianni. Senator Mastroianni. Another one, I think another one's called Chris uh, Kush. Kush, I think it is. But Mastroianni's running for governor, and he's leading by four to one. And he was the one who helped. He also was the one who had the courage to hold the first hearing. And uh, we went to hearings because we didn't think we could get a fair uh, hearing in the courts. And we did get a fair hearing in the legislatures. That's where a lot of this information was originally. But then we were blocked by the Republican leadership who turned on Trump. The young, the young members were in favor of it, even a, a big majority. But the majority leaders and the speakers blocked it until the last minute. And then we have four letters from Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, and I've forgotten the last one that asked Pence to please give them 10 more days. That's the big controversy. But the fact, the fact is that the, the Pennsylvania case rests on an Orwellian decision by the Democrat-dominated Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. 
The law of Pennsylvania says that there have to be present during a recount or an absentee counting representatives of each party. The court in Pennsylvania reversed an intermediate court decision that said present obviously meant observation. And the court ruled just being in the room is present, which is, of course, absurd. You're not there. You're not there to look at the lights. You're not there to just pal around with your friends. Present in the context of counting a vote and representing a party is to see and validate the ballot. That ruling, to me, is a corrupt ruling. It's intellectually dishonest. It's fascinating. I haven't really dug into that one. That's an interesting one. The reason they did that is there is documentary evidence of about 700,000 votes that were counted without a single Republican laying eyes on the paper and, and with significant evidence of they're not even being looked at, counted twice. That evidence was never allowed because they were present although they were 30 feet away in corrals. That, uh, that decision is, is a disgrace to American justice. But there's plenty more to come out, John. And there is. This, this story is not yet finished being written. There are many chapters yet to be written. Well, thank you very, very much for your staying with it. Uh, just, like, uh, just like the whole situation with the Biden bribery and lifetime of bribery, and, which you stayed with from the very beginning. We should tell people that everything they're finding out now, minus the hard drive, which was really icing on the cake, John. Your your stories in uh, what was it February, Mar- uh, January, February, and March of 2018. Yeah, 2019. Yep. 2019 l- laid out an overwhelming racketeering case. All the hard drive would have done is add to it. I mean, it added things to it and given it corroboration. But you had the witnesses, you had the documents, you had the money laundering. So this ha- didn't have to interfere with the election. That was before that was before Biden even announced. Yeah. You know, that's really the truth. The 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 censorship, the corporate media and Twitter censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop was the greatest corporate in-kind contribution to a political party in American history. And if people want to say, was there uh, a hijacking of the election, the withholding of meaningful information about a candidate probably had the most consequence of anything in this election. And to this date, my colleagues in the media don't fully appreciate what they did wrong. Uh, it's great to see the New York Times suddenly say, oh, well, the Hunter Biden laptop is real. Well, that's great. It was real in 2020 and you you, you didn't allow it to come to light. Uh, that is one of the greatest illegal corporate contributions in American history. And it'll take us generations to overcome the move towards censorship that we've witnessed in the last two or three years, most of it around the Biden family, but it now goes to many other places. And um, if anyone has any doubt the election was hijacked by something, that's one of the greatest hijacks in, in any electoral history, the, 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 literally the corporate suppression of information relevant to the American voter. Yeah, and that information was available two years before the election laid out chapter and verse with videotape by you, covered by some, but censored by most. Yeah, it's shameful. But you know what? I think we're waking up, Mr. Mayor. I always believe in the goodness of America. No, no, I think we're waking up. I just feel very bad that 
Unfortunately, the United States is being put through Joe Biden as the price of this. Our so, elections have consequences, and we're feeling those consequences yeah, now. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Always an honor to be with you. Not much for me to add to the interviews with John Solomon. He laid it all out. Uh, it is quite clear that in each of the states that we talked about, and he's looked at more. We were just confined by time to 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 the most recent ones that he's looked at. That um, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, numerous irregularities and illegalities in each of the states that were uh, said to be perfect. Uh, Georgia, probably one of the worst. Uh, Wisconsin, overwhelming. Arizona, we didn't get to spend as much time on, but uh, the numbers there are very, very few to overturn the election, about 10, 12,000. And they have uh, about 250,000 votes in question, which the press never reports to you. When the press first reported on the audit, they they illegally and illegally uh, improperly reported that it just reaffirmed the old vote. What they found was if you went back to the old ballots and counted them the same way, you'd get the same result. Uh, They never went and looked at how many ballots were uh, spoiled, how many ballots had uh, two candidates on it and it was given to uh, Biden, how many mail-in ballots were were not folded but straight, therefore they were never put in the mail. So these, um, these things all have to be now taken into consideration and there's a lot of time to go, but we really have to admire John Solomon. This is the second time he's been put through this where, uh, you know, his, he, 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 he discovered evidence that should have been worked out, you know, a year before the election and it's held until after the election. And here, this information should have been out during the process of uh, reviewing the election, but the courts wouldn't listen to any of this. I mean, this is the kind of evidence that you get when you hold hearings in court. That's why you have hearings. The courts held no hearings. So the purpose now is to make sure it never happens again. Every single fact has to come out because never again in American history should we have an election in which votes are treated this way. And if we get all the facts out, as John was pointing out, particularly in the legislatures where the Democrats are voting to try to continue these illegal practices, uh, we can assure for our children and our grandchildren that America will remain a democracy. Because if this continues, and with H.R. 1, they were on their way to making it federal law, then we're no longer a democracy. So when we win this battle, you can thank John Solomon for his courage. Well, thank you for listening. Please make sure that you uh, send your emails to our members of Congress, the Senate, the House, and tell them don't buy oil from tyrants, huh? No oil from Russia, no oil from Iran, no oil from Venezuela. How about we buy American oil and gas? Well, thank you very much. We'll be back with another episode just a few days. It's Rudy Giuliani, and thank you very much for listening in.
Liberals in the media have egg on their faces after the New York Times finally confirms the Hunter Biden laptop's existence, even though the right-leaning media have been reporting on it since 2020. Hunter smokes crack and I cannot lie. His dead might hand out the pipes. Tax money rolls in, he's got to wait. He puts drugs in your face, you get strong. Out in stuff, do realize things are tough. Hot price, your gas is costing. Don't look at that board of crossing. Oh, big guy, I want to get with ya. 10% put me in your picture. Get together, sing your anthem. Everybody, let's go, go Brandon. Brandon. Oh, still skin. Sure you want to wake up? Inflation, inflation, it rolls across the nation. I see that laptop. This is deals for pop. The best yet. Money rolling like a turbo back. I'm tired of the media saying the laptop is a lie. Take the average man and ask him that that laptop is a fact. So fellas, yeah. fellas, yeah. that laptop is a fact. Oh yeah, shout it, shout it, shout it. Shout it. That laptop is a fact. And I just want crack. The laptop is a fact. And I just want crack. Marion Barry. Marion Barry. Barry. You, I, you know what? I, I actually smoke crack with Marion Barry. I swear to f*** God.